Hello everyone, Aid here. While Married at First Sight is on a break, we wanted you to have a bonus episode from our Patreon. In this episode, we talk about a documentary for the first time, Bad Vegan, which is available on Netflix. To hear more of our bonus episodes, check out our Patreon. We'll be back with new Married at First Sight episodes in January. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid. And this is Alter Call on Patreon. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our bonus episode on everything the people are talking about on Bad Vegan. Hi, Aid. Hi, Tane. I hope you guys watched Bad Vegan. And if you haven't, you definitely should. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is like me. I have bad TV FOMO. I had no intentions of watching Bad Vegan. I'm like, I have had my fill of white women getting swindled out of lots of money and people still falling for this. But then everyone was talking about Bad Vegan. And I'm like, okay, I got to get in on this. That's what happened. Everybody was talking about it. I thought I was going to resist. But honestly, it's a compelling story. Hmm. Yes, I would agree with you. A compelling story that wasn't quite told compellingly. I don't even know if that's a word. (laughs) Which you would think with the, well, kind of the main character cooperating and being part of it, it would be better, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Like we have the horse's mouth, so to speak. But the horse isn't saying anything. As the people would say, it wasn't given what it was supposed to give. (laughs) But I say compelling story because as you're watching, you're just like, I don't understand. Okay, so the story starts with this restaurant called Pure Food and Wine. I thought it was raw vegan food, but apparently it was just vegan food. And they just raw too. (laughs) Then I was like, how are you going to call yourself a restaurant? Where's the cooking? (laughs) What are you doing if it's only raw? (laughs) There are a few basic facts like that where I'm like, I don't quite understand. Mind you, I watched this twice and I still, there are parts that I'm like, either I didn't catch it or I don't understand. So we we start with the story of Sarna. She went to Wharton Business School. Then she says, since I didn't need money, I went to culinary school. And I wanted to know, (laughs) why did you not need money? Wasn't it because of the job that she had right after? The Bear she, Stearns job? Like she just made enough to where she didn't need she money? She made enough. Yeah, she probably didn't have student loans. She does not sound like someone who has student loans. <laughs> yes, the bitterness you hear in my voice is real. <laughs> <laughs> so she meets this guy after culinary school. He's also a chef. Um, there's this other guy, Jeffrey Chadrow. And he says, oh, I'm going to invest in their restaurant despite not knowing much about vegan raw food. Uh, The power of being blonde, white, and thin. (laughs) And the guy was no slouch either in the looks department, Matthew. He was a cutie. And apparently a big name back in the day. Like, he was on the Today Show and everything. I racked my memory brain. No, no. Maybe because it was vegan. I just, no. (laughs) Your mind wouldn't even accept it. Didn't have it. (laughs) Didn't have no memory of him. So they're, like, famous. Their restaurant is famous. Bill Clinton comes. Woody Harrison comes. Alec Baldwin comes. (laughs) 
And then there's this reporter from Vanity Fair who's like, well, you, the premise of the story is that the vegan restaurant owner was caught on the run because she ordered a Domino's pizza. And he's like, oh, there's got to be more to the story. But then we find out that she and Matthew broke up. And when they went to their investor, he had to pick one of them because they were like, one of us has to go because, you know, as exes, we can't co-own this restaurant together. And the investor guy sold the restaurant to her for $2 million worth of debt. But at least it was hers. <laughs> this is when, Okay, so when someone says they own a restaurant, this part always blows my mind. But you don't own the building that the restaurant is located in. Is it... Can you equate this to saying you own a house, but you really don't? The bank does. But no, they have a landlord. I've always, like, the value of businesses is always very interesting to me. Like, what is the valuation of a business? And then to me, when there's no land associated with the business, like, you have a landlord. So it's like the restaurant itself. To me, that's like kitchen equipment, table, chairs, and I guess your brand name. Those are the valuable things. But how much can those things be worth? Apparently $2 million. <laughs> it was fun finding out that Alec Baldwin met good old faker Hilaria at the restaurant. <laughs> I know. But he tried to hit on Sarna first and she wasn't having it. In a kind of creepy way because he mentioned something about you should go visit Pure Food and Wine even if it's just to stare at the chef Sarna. And I'm like, okay. You're just telling people to go stare at her? Creepy. So Alec Baldwin is interacting with this guy on Twitter. And the guy says he's in the CIA and he yet he has 50,000 followers. And so she meets him online. They play words with friends. And then eventually he comes to New York and they are together. So then, like throughout the documentary, I could not tell. Do you think the people who made the documentary wanted us to see Sarna as a victim? <laughs> this was one of my criticism of the documentary usually documentaries take a side I don't know what they wanted us to feel <laughs> in this or maybe they had a side but Sarna was not giving anything to help but I just I felt nothing but again I couldn't tell if it was because I'm just kind of numb to these things because it's the same story in a different documentary did you feel anything or did you get a sense for what side they were leaning it depended so like in the first episode they tried to have her sister talk about how sarna just like is the most generous person and then she had her friend who was homeless who was just like she's just the greatest person and she's so generous and her sister had to stop her from feeding all the homeless people in toronto that to me is a little bit like imagery rehabilitation because as this goes on sarna don't look so good We had uh, the Shah documentary on Jen Shah, mm-hmm. and everyone was saying all these things. And we had that one one lone commentator who was Jen's aunt, saying she would give everybody anything, the clothes off the off their back. And it's just one person, a family member, just really trying to throw their loved one a bone. I don't know how much weight I will put in it. See, her family was the biggest one, but that Vanity Fair guy who, despite appearing a lot in the movie, I never learned his name. Um, <laughs> he kept on being like, there's more to the story. 
and there's more to this. You know, it's not just the story of a vegan ordering a pizza. There's just more here. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, there is more here, but there's nothing here that makes her look any better. You know what? I take that back. How about that guy that was homeless? Yes, her homeless friend. Like, it seemed like the people who were for her were just like, for her. Even the restaurant staff. They didn't trash her as much as they should. No, they didn't. They were like dancing around it. <laughs> and well, almost like I, they were scared. Did you get that impression? I, 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 I didn't know if they were scared. I just didn't understand. All I know is if I go to work, you better pay me. So, so for someone to still be like, it seemed like they wanted to blame the guy a lot. And we'll get to the guy. His, he has many names. Um, but they really should have, I just, I needed them to be angrier at her. And I couldn't quite figure out why they weren't more angry at her. Yeah. And this investor guy, Jeffrey, he's real interesting. Cause he's like, well, she owes me 2 million. That's the number. As we understand it, that she owes $2 million to JC. And then when this Anthony guy, at the time that she met him, he was calling himself Shane Fox. Um, But then he called her corporate office. I am also surprised that a sole restaurant has a corporate office. I don't know if, I just don't know anything about the restaurant industry. The corporate office was also her apartment. Um, So one day Shane Fox calls the corporate office and they see a name on the caller ID and they Google the name and it's a guy with like a record. And Sarna's like, oh, it's fine. Red flag number one. <laughs> Red flag number two. They decide that they're going to buy this house or this loft or whatever, some sort of piece of New York real estate. And they go through the whole charade of like finding money people and going to look at expensive property. And then it just fizzles out because there's never anything to back it up. But what I found interesting is that they showed us some of the paperwork of the numbers that of money that this man has claiming was claiming to have. And as you go through it, the numbers are always very round. Like I have $20 million. I have $5 million. That is a sign of a con man. <laughs> when you get an inheritance or whatever, it's like, you know, 1.6. It's yeah. 33. It's always some sort of weird number, if that makes sense. If you look at anybody's bank account on any given day, you're not likely to see a round number. <laughs> Make it a little messy. <laughs> <laughs> and even when he promised to buy this house and they go through the whole thing and they never buy a house, she still is, I'm not understanding why she's not understanding that she's dealing with a liar. Yeah, because the realtor or whoever pulled her aside and was like, um... We have an issue. Like, when is the money coming? And if you had that many delays for someone that was so gung ho about getting a house, your your red flag should be on. I just even in the first episode, I was shocked at how many times I was like, "That looks like a little bit of a red flag." I think the first red flag, honestly, you mentioned it, is how do you have fifty thousand followers? But he said he was in Operation. What was it? CIA or something like that? Something like the CIA. And I'm like, okay. I know you're trying to talk to Alec Baldwin, like a high profile person. Make it make sense. None of it made sense. Oh, and the other thing is that they mentioned that while she and Shane Fox, I think she's still calling him Shane Fox. Oh, wait, when they Googled him, 
we get to his real name, which is Anthony Strangis. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a very affectionate or loving couple. Mm-hmm. That threw me a lot. And and to give a backstory to that, all the while before she met him, apparently she was so lonely and she wanted to meet someone. That's why she even got the dog. And then the dog became like the love of her life. And then she met Anthony. But the, well, I think my memory might be failing me. Was it that she was so lonely or that she was content when she got the dog and that was, that solved the loneliness problem for her? Yes, that she was lonely and she was trying to get this dog for Alec Baldwin, but then she ended up getting the dog for herself and the dog was like, solved her loneliness. So then we're introduced to Anthony's assistant, Will, who, because she was dating him or she married him, I think at this point they got married. Yeah, we, we have to talk about how just like random the marriage was. I can't remember why they got married. Yeah, they just got married on a whim. Like no one was around. They went to a courthouse and just got married and didn't tell anybody too. <laughs> the way her dad in the interview was like, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. They didn't tell anyone. They just went and got married. I think the other part, there's so much emotion missing here. Like we have her, we have her dad, we have her sister, and they recount these stories. And you're like, if your sister runs off and get married, doesn't that inspire some sort of emotion in you? But they're just like, yeah, she didn't tell us. She went and got married. Also, I think that's a red flag. I mean, (laughs) I know that's a red flag. I know that's what eloping technically is, but if you tell no one at all, like I, in my mind, I know people elope, but say for, unless you were drunk off your ass and you just went away, whatever, people that elope at least tell one or two people in their circle or something, but she told no one and then held onto it because one of the staff just casually mentioned, oh yeah, we got married. And she's like, excuse me, what? Or she had a ring that was on the wrong finger. And I'm like, okay, if you have to hide and go through all that for someone that you married, then something's fishy. And I mean, because the red flags just keep on coming. She also seemed to have not known him very long when she married him, like less than a year, which I guess is not that crazy. But he also didn't live in New York. He was just flying in to see her. So odd. Yeah, they barely saw each other. Which once again, like... When you envision someone being so bamboozled by a romantic partner that you give them a whole bunch of money, you envision that they are like close to you. But I guess he did it with the phone calls. That was the other thing. Did she record their phone calls or did they just invent these phone calls for the documentary? I was confused by that. She did because Nazim told him to record it. Told her to record it. Once again. (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll meet Nazim later but if your husband's so-called business partner associate says you should record your conversations with your husband what the fuck exactly not cool another red flag we forgot was when they finally met because they had a phone <coughs> online situation she's like um he didn't quite look like what he looked like in the pictures so she was catfished in a way but I didn't want to seem shallow so why would I judge him for looking It's not about being shallow. It's about someone's capacity for honesty. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're going to lie about that, you're opening the gateway for other things. Look at 90 Day Fiance. Jenny and Mohammed started with lies. 
<laughs> but now they're happily married. So what do you mean? <laughs> no, there were lots of lies and lies and lies. One lie leads to another lie. We don't know that they're happily married. There could be another lie waiting in the wings. That's true. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you make can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Summer is coming, and it is time for all of us to go on vacation. You can use the money you earn from Earn In to buy a new bathing suit or some new clothes for your fun summer vacation. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in AutoCall on the podcast. When you sign up, it'll really help the show. That's AutoCall on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max, see earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off, and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. And we're back. So after they get married, Anthony's like, oh, you need to send all your passwords to my assistant, Will. And the document, this is something I also didn't enjoy about the documentary. So they bring in this guy who says he's Will. Um, and Will is like, yeah, I did work for Anthony. I was da 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 This is when Anthony gets into his woo-woo shit. We're talking about past lives and all this other, like, reincarnation and that she and the dog and him were all together in a past life. She says he doesn't hit her with the story all at once, that the story is, like, gradual. And... He had asked her for a loan and then he had paid back the loan and it was for a large sum of money. It was like 6K or 10K or something. Mm-hmm. Which is classic Tinder Swindler shit. <laughs> to make you think I have money, I'll ask for a large loan. You'll give it to me. And the first time I'll pay you back. He also had enemies. He also had enemies that would gut him if he didn't have the money. I don't even know what to say to that. So they do a little bit more background about how her parents are divorced, but when they got divorced, she didn't like make a big thing. She went to her room and shut the door. I didn't understand why they told us about that. Um, to show that she was probably just logical and not really like an emotion, emotional type of person. That was what I understood. Hmm. 
that she just processes stuff. Except when she's being swindled, I guess. Okay. So in addition to the restaurant, she starts this like food company called Lucky Duck. And they one, make like... One Lucky Duck. One Lucky Duck. Thank you. I didn't know what food they made. V- raw smoothies or something, right? Like v- like juices and all that good stuff. I do not understand the restaurant business at all. Because they're like, the restaurant was doing so well. It had $7 million in gross sales. I'm like, but what was the overhead? Because she owed Jeffrey at this point still $2 million. Like She's like, I would pay him like 50 here, 20 here. But I still owed him a lot of money. The best year was 2012 when she gave JC a hundred. I'm going to refer to the investor, this one investor as JC, $100,000. And he's very happy. He's like, the term investor seems to mean something else here. What I understand investor is I invest in a company and at some point I see a return. Yeah. Jeffrey just seems more like a benefactor. (laughs) Absolutely. Like there was something I was like, and he, and he said it himself. And in some way, I think he got swindled in some way. <laughs> because but once again, another person who swindled that I can't work a cup of energy to be up. Like, why would I feel sorry for you? Apparently $2 million is nothing to you. It's fun money. It's play money. Yeah. Like, he was just like, I mean, she owed her. I was like, that's okay. Take your time. And I'm like, I wish I owed someone that much money. And they tell me, you know, whenever you can... I'll give you more time. What incentive do I have to pay you back? I think restaurant investors, this is my just an opinion I have, because the, the industry is very strange to me and I feel like people lose a lot of money. I feel like people invest in restaurants or want to own restaurants because they want to have a place where they can bring people and be like, oh yeah, I'm an investor. And they probably get yeah. treated really well. They probably don't pay their tab there. That is the joy of being an investor. But, but that's why they're way. that's why they're a little fuzzy about getting paid back. It just seemed like this is what he did for a living, like just a whole bunch of restaurants. I mean, someone if this is what you do for a living, someone has to be paying you cuz this one sure wasn't. <laughs> so, there's this whole thing about how Anthony knew things. He knew things before they that they, she would be eating in a restaurant. He would call to talk to her and she'd never told him that she was even going to that restaurant. I'm like, but he has all your phones and all your passwords. Through Will. It's what like are you talking about? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, technically, you have it and Will has it. Like, three people in this world have your password. So, and one of them is him. Why wouldn't he know what you're... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And then we've got his associate, the Zim, who was interviewed for this documentary. And he's like, yeah, I gave Anthony 35K. But he wasn't an assistant. He he was a business partner or something. Yeah, like a protege. So he's somebody else. Again, we know the story of Sarna, but we don't know who else he was trying to swindle. And he was telling him, it sounded like an MLM type situation without any product. And he was telling him to invest and he could make him money and he could show him the ropes and all that. And somehow Nazim found 30-something thousand. The thing I'm most interested in when we watch this documentary is these people can rustle up money 
at the drop of a dime. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? I don't get it either. I think maybe just as regular people. If someone were to ask me, what do I consider a large sum of money? I think a thousand. Like, yeah, that's a large sum of money. So for you to hand a check to someone for $35,000 and not sign a contract to even know where it's going or when you're getting it back, it's mind-blowing to me. And where did you find that money? Was it legal? I just... I was so suspicious of Nazim, even though his role in the documentary seemed to be an honest one on her side, but he just seemed fishy. Of course! Sarna seemed fishy. And I guess at this point we should establish that Sarna has been giving her husband money. And his whole thing is like, oh, this is play money that you're giving me. I could buy your debt from JC like with no problem at all. So she's just giving him money and I can't really understand why she was giving him money or what the money was for. And I don't think she could explain that either. Yeah. I mean, his threats on the phone calls were just like, again, he would get gutted if he didn't do it and he needed to do it right now. What does someone undercover or whatever the heck he did need all that money for? And then you see at some point when she's questioning him and he says, this is small money. Like I could get this at any time. She's like, so then why don't you get it? Why don't you call your brother or something like that? And, like, and he's like, what happened to you? And then again, the woo-woo shit comes up and it was like, you have to follow this, the spiritual this. And I am a, what did he call himself? A God or something that he's something above like that. this. And we are all here. And this, I'm like, at what point though? At what point do you realize like this is not even making any sense? And you're giving your money to this person. And at one point, she finally makes a little bit of sense where she says, well, I had given him so much money at this point that I had to believe. And that's when we find out that over two years, she had given him $1.7 million. And she's like, how would I explain this? Okay, you don't have to explain it, but you could stop giving him money. (laughs) Like That would be a good first step. But you know, that makes sense in a weird way. And the analogy I'll give is, imagine being on a diet. And then you slip up and then you have maybe cookies. And you're like, oh man, I ruined my diet. Well, I might as well just have this. And then you have this and you're like, well, might as well go all the way because I already ruined this. And like, I'm not going to get out of this. And then you keep going. So when she said that, like, who's going to, like, she? it's like she saw herself. She, she went outside her body and saw herself and was like, this is really stupid, but I can't stop now. And that seems to happen to her over and over and over and over. (laughs) So when we're like, wait, what is this man doing with all the money? Nazim is here with an answer. He's like, yeah, we went to Foxwoods Casino and everybody knew him and he was just spending money left and right. I was like, oh, well, now we, the audience, know what he was doing with that money. We also meet his ex-wife, who is basically like, he sucked and he told me he was getting $5 million. Once again, a weird round number from an inheritance (laughs) from his aunt. And so they go to some investment bank and set up all these accounts for this money that never comes. And then you involve a child. He set up an account for his child. It's non-existent money. Which is another thing that I was, that I found strange. He spent all this time with Sana and, They never, or she never brought up his child, never brought up his ex-wife. And I'm like, did she know? 
Did I don't know. I don't get the Google sense him? that she knew. Hmm. Even after her own staff told him to find his arrest history, I don't. She comes off as incredibly stupid, which I don't think she is. That's the funny. Part. I mean, we're gonna talk about her opinions when we go through all this, but I don't think she is, which is why all this is happening and you didn't Google. I just, I find that very hard to believe. It's either that or he didn't talk to his daughter the entire time. I actually am more inclined to believe that he didn't talk to his daughter. His ex-wife didn't want her anywhere near her or her children. He lied about a lot of things. It's actually not that difficult to hide a child who you never see. It doesn't feed into the international man of mystery persona that he was trying to cultivate. So I don't think he would have ever talked about his kid. So then Sarna gets told that the higher-ups are going to send her to Rome as a test. And so she needs to leave and go to Rome and stay at a restaurant. I mean, sorry, stay at a hotel that he's picked for her. And the whole time I'm like, but you own a restaurant? Like, it has always been my understanding that when one owns a restaurant, you can't just leave for Rome for 10 days. Yeah, they always talk about how much hours they put in. How much work? And at this point, things were crumbling down because she's funneled all the money and then there's not enough money for certain things. And, you know, everyone's wondering what's happening. And she just decided she was going to go because the higher ups said, so who are the higher ups? These mythical people, his brother, I don't know. So then we find out that Rome is a test and the test is to see if she can come up with a hundred thousand dollars to make payroll while she was in Rome. And somehow she called him in other investors, not JC, and comes up with $100,000. Just like that. And while, um, she's, while she's away, Shane, Anthony, whatever his name is, decides that he's just going to be the boss of Pure Food and Wine. And the people who have been running Pure Food and Wine, because I think at some point in the game, she was some sort of non-active participant in her own restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like the staff was running the restaurant and she was answering the phone. (laughs) Well, we had that lady who was the head of the kitchen who tried to contact her and was like, listen, if you don't respond to me, I'm out. But here's the weird thing. That lady didn't call her till the second time she disappeared. Yeah. So then there was the guy that she fired. And this is when I was like, I don't trust you. You have not come clean about everything. Because they asked the guy about him getting fired and they asked her about getting fired. And she's like, oh, I don't remember why I fired him. He's like, she fired me because I told her that she, like things were not good with the money and we weren't going to make payroll. And where is the money going? And that's another thing, guys. There's anything she didn't want to answer. All of a sudden, her memory failed her. She couldn't remember exactly why or what happened. And it's been a long time. Um, You know, these events took place 2012 to Mm 2015-ish. And I actually feel like it's more... Like, if it was right after, maybe I can understand you're still in the fog. But it's been many years. Why have you not... Sarna does not strike us as a person who's done any reflection about any of this. She just tells the story, doesn't offer many justifications for absolute bananas behavior, and then straight out lies. Like, she knows why she fired that guy. Why are you lying about it now? Yeah. 
just as an aside, I I don't like the name of the restaurant. It sounds like the name of a magazine. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of Top Chef, where there's an actual food and wine <laughs> magazine that sponsors <laughs> it. But just pure food and wine. I'm like, also, is wine vegan? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's entirely plant-based. Yeah, sugar, ain't it? <laughs> Sugar's vegan. Oreos are vegan. I thought the whole point was like healthy, raw. So the second time they go on like a weird trip, the first time she went to Rome by herself. Second time, they have to like drive across the border to Montreal for him to fly to to Europe. And my question at that point was, when did she find out that he was on probation? Because why did they need to go to Montreal to fly to Europe? Because there, I think he had a warrant at that time. So they're going from place to place in Europe. <laughs> and they asked her that question. Why did you have to fly to Montreal just to go to, where did they go? I can't remember. Where they, Euro- they were just going place to place just in Europe. Going to Europe. And she's like, yeah, I thought about that. I wondered about that too. I don't know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so while they're gallivanting around Europe, they're not paying people. And I love, like, I have seen this happen mainly on Reddit. <laughs> Where's in screenshots that people post. Where someone screws you over and then has the audacity to get huffy with you. So these two jokers are not paying staff. And then they're sending out hostile emails about how dare people be upset that we don't pay you for your job. That was very interesting because when they asked her to, and she's like, what did I do that was so wrong? I just went away for a few days. I didn't pay people who were working for you. You didn't pay people. And like one of the guys said, rightfully, it's the people who are like the bus boys, the people who are like, you know, at the lower level staff that are just trying to make ends meet in New York. You know, they don't have people that will rustle up hundred thousand dollars for to increase the value of your business. So it was quite, she's not empathetic. Oh no. And I, and I think that's what I meant by, I think that's what they were trying to, show when they said she her parents got divorced and she just went up to her room and shut the door like oh well life happens so she says well i had to pay rent how do i explain to people that i gave my husband all of this money and then somehow they rustle up the money while they're in europe and i'm like who is handing you money at this point who are these investors what does investment mean Honestly, my guess is JC. He seemed under a spell. (laughs) So it gets even more confusing because one of the people who I think the guy she fired opened up another restaurant close to the old restaurant and hired a bunch of the people. But then when she came back with her investor money and reopened the restaurant, these people went back to the restaurant. I was so confused. I was so confused. I think it just shows... I mean, we didn't we didn't know her because maybe she's not in our world or whatever. And like we were jokingly saying, we're not vegan. But I think it's the clout that she came with because it seemed like she was like a big deal. I don't care what a big deal. I mean, it's, your explanation is very sound. From a personal perspective, I'm like, if I go to work and you don't pay me, that's the end of me working. Why else am I at work? <laughs> if I go somewhere else and they do pay me, why would I come back to you? Like, I guess these people believed in the business. And honestly, the way she can rustle up money with a moment's notice, they're, 
Their belief wasn't unfounded, and the restaurant was open for a good long time, like 15 years or something. So I kind of get it, but I'm also... If someone had sent me hostile emails when they didn't pay me, I cannot imagine going back to work for that person. And she doesn't even seem like a charismatic person, actually. So it's like, how did you do it? We'll be right back. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their ginger lime mule and grapefruit paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash autocallMAFS. You guys know I don't drink very much. So Recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess Mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallMAFS so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back. So in episode three is where we find out. So first, this is where I'm like, Sarna is very confusing because Will is reading messages where Sarna is like, you could be Michael. How, like, the only time I talk to you is when he's not around. And Will's like, but I could give you an idea. And it, like, explains how he would con her into believing that there is some sort of Will out there. And that's when we, the audience, find out that Will does not exist. I, I bet the producers were so proud of themselves about that because they did it in a way where he was talking and then he just vanished. <laughs> I'm sure they were so proud, patted themselves on the back like, ah, gotcha. It was stupid. <laughs> oh, man. And then there's this whole thing about how um, JC, her big investor, was going to go meet this guy named Michael Caledonia from Bain Capital, and he had to fly down to Florida. And this, like, there's this whole story, and, and what blows my mind about the story is that this is yet another moment where Sarna will not admit that she lied. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. First of all, this man, this benefactor, has been so gracious to you. Again, we say two million casually, but that is a lot of money. <laughs> and he's allowed you to pay at your own pace. He's watched you have not pay people. He's watched you just abandon the place. And he was still willing to give you a chance. And then this Michael person canceled. And then the Michael person canceled again. And then she was going to Florida and they were in the airport. And then Shane, Anthony, whoever <laughs> decides that, nah, I'm not going to go. He made like, he didn't make that choice on the house on the way to the airport in front of the airport. They went through security and he said, you're going on your own. <laughs> and I don't know why she didn't just take his stance too. I was like, well, if you're not going, I'm not going, you make me get on the plane. And she went and she sat with JC 
And he said, oh, I'm sorry, he can't make it. But he's like, can you vouch for this person? And she goes, yeah, I can vouch for this person. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And then Michael's like, at any point, at no point did she say that this person was my husband. I had to rewind. I was like, did I get bored? And she got married a second time and I missed it or what? And then we find out that Michael is Shane, Anthony, whoever. And she just flipped it. And they ask her directly, like, did you know or what? She was like, I mean, well, she was so flippant about it. I'm like, you fucking liar. <laughs> it has been how many years and you're still lying about this? That's so, when I knew that something was off. Like, that was very blatant, very, like, you have no respect for JC. You're now lying years later when you have the chance to say whatever. Everything's happened and settled now. And, yeah, what a different person. So because these two can no longer pay their staff, they just kind of pack up and go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, we get to Vegas. And she's like, I hate it here. There's no remotely healthy food. And that's when you realize that this is not a serious woman. You left behind a whole business with people who you had once not paid and who had still come back to your dumbass. And your primary concern is that there is not healthy food in Vegas. Then she tells a story that is just like, what? It is a story of, I'm going to call it a sexual assault. The way she described it was so, he told her to bring a bottle of wine. He doesn't drink. He had her drink what sounds like most of the bottle or all of the bottle. Then forced her to do sexual acts that she did not want to do. And then she cried and then he didn't do that again. Which leads me to believe that they didn't have a sexual relationship. I think so too. I can't figure out what their relationship was. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't quite business. I don't understand how they related to one another. We'll talk about it. I have like, I'm saving all my opinions for when we're done with like the summary of everything at all. Then we'll talk about the opinions. (laughs) So they're on the run, but they're not really on the run because all they're running from is like people who they owe money to. Um, this is this the way that these two were caught because i'm like were it not for what happened i still think they'd be hanging out in las vegas or going to tennessee or wherever they were one of the investors was like wait i've been stolen from (laughs) and it just goes to show you who has power in this world do you think that there are not employers out there who have just run away and not paid people how many of them do you think managed to get a police report and a warrant out and they managed to find them in a hotel room in tennessee or wherever the hell they were but this investor pressed charges, which created warrants. And warrants created people looking for them. Looking enough to know that they ordered a Domino's pizza. Something we haven't even touched on is him emailing her friend, her family, specifically her mom. So sending these weird emails of like, no one understands Sarna. And if we can just get Sarna through this. And somehow her mom sent him a total of $400,000. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And she's like, well, sometimes he would have me send the money to my mom and then my mom would send the money to him. What? The thing is, if your daughter was in danger, why would your daughter not tell you directly? Wouldn't you be suspicious of her husband always being the one contacting you and every time he contacted you was to get more money? 
By and it's email. not like it's not like which is even the dumbest thing. If you're gonna swindle someone, you're leaving a paper trail. I, I it was very strange. Like to the tune of four hundred and something thousand dollars. That means that's a anyways. So they both end up being arrested. They both end up in jail. I want to say in Tennessee, because that's where they were found. Then they are flown to New York. They're both in jail in New York. I didn't quite understand quite the legal path. Like, I'm still not sure really what they, I guess they were charged with theft because the number of money that the investor gave them, they, you know, gambled, he gambled at Foxwoods or wherever. And um, somehow he got out of jail, but she ended up, I guess doing a plea deal to go to Rikers for three and a half months. Isn't Rikers the scary jail? It really is. It really is. It's not a good place. I thought you'd be Rikers is where Kaylee Browder was for three years. And after he came out, he committed suicide. Yeah. I just thought she would get like the Litchfield (laughs) type situation. I just didn't expect Rikers. Um... Sometime, well, she was in Rikers for three and a half months for stealing a lot of money from people. And Kaylee Browder was in Rikers for being accused of stealing a backpack. So I'm, I mm. can't, you know, yeah. the inequities of the justice system prevail, even if Sarna had to go to Rikers for three and a half months. <laughs> um, <laughs> then there's the fun theory that the Vanity Fair reporter and her dad and her sister come up with, which is that she married Michael... Anthony, whatever his name is, for his Jane. money, and that she might have tried to swindle him. And Nazim was like, she didn't love him. Okay, so this is where I'll share. I I agree with them. I think just like the Tinder swindler, would they have gone with these men if they didn't think that they had some kind of money? No. So I think she thought he would help her financially with the debt and all the promises that he made and she just saw him as an investment so the more i give the money at some point is going to pay yields like in the beginning she believed all this she believed all this until she woke up one day and realized that um looks like i've given a lot and nothing woke up one day she (laughs) was still with him until the police removed him from her that's why i say if the police had not come they would still be together it's it's very I mean okay so the uh, the thing is the angle I guess the documentary or Sana was trying to prove was that she was being manipulated and that's the part that I don't think that she was being manipulated because she questioned him every single step of the way when we started hearing the phone calls she kept saying why am I doing this well who am I doing this people that are manipulated just do what they're told to do without question And this brings us back to the question of her intelligence, because if she, if she's being manipulated, which I agree with you, it's strange that she had so many questions. Why? When there was no payoff after all this time, like, was she just waiting for the payoff this whole time? She was waiting for the payoff, but then when she realized that it was not coming, she was embarrassed and she realized there was no way out. So she was like weighing what was worse that I did all this trying to get a payoff and nothing's going to happen or I'm going to come out. I'm losing everything. And on top of that, everyone's going to think like I'm stupid. So what's worse? Do I just stay with him? And then it's the hope that kills. Maybe he will swindle somebody else 
and then get that money. Like, I don't think she cared where the money came from as long as he made money somehow, some way. I like your theory. I really do. I like your, your thoughts on this. I just, um, I struggle with the idea that how much money did you need to lose to understand that you were never going to get money out of this man? And I am annoyed by the idea that the police are what stopped the train. Cause I wonder when were you planning to get off the train, Sarna? You know, the thing that I actually really believe is that she was depressed because she did look gaunt. Yes. Yes. She wasn't well. So that's why I mean by she couldn't do anything because remember she couldn't even get out of bed. So at some point it would have, I mean, they all said, I don't know if, if that's what they wanted to see, but they all said that it's almost like she felt relieved that this was done and this was over. So I think she wanted out. She just didn't know how to get out. And she was just in a funk at that point, but he was still controlling her because remember she had the bandaid that was covering up the, well, he might not have been controlling her. Maybe she was just hiding her identity. Um, I thought the funniest part when she would be like, yeah, he would give me a hundred dollars so I could go out and like buy some food. I'm like, this man was giving you back your own money. <laughs> so you could go buy some food. <laughs> at Chipotle. I got annoyed. I got annoyed with this one and I got annoyed with the Tinder Slender because I still believe that the people who make these things want us to believe that Sarna is a victim. And the more I watch, the more I'm like, I don't know what the textbook definition of victim is, but I don't see you that way. I don't think she was a victim. In fact, I questioned the entire time what her motive for doing this documentary was. It didn't make her look good. It didn't vindicate her in any way. And I just, I just, I, I've always said this and we've talked about this. All these people who come out doing for these documentaries saying, I don't even know what their motivation is. I wouldn't, I would take this to the grave and take my embarrassment and my stupidity and sleep with it at night. So I don't know. I think, I would hope that most of these people who are doing these things are trying to do like, um, like, you know, when you read about common scams and you're like, oh, okay, I got to make sure like if someone sends me an email with a link, I have to read my emails carefully before I click on a link. If my bank calls me and says that I'm having like a fraudulent charge and like use it as a phishing expedition, like there are things that we need to be aware of as we go through life so that people don't steal our money from us. But I look at the Tinder swindler and I look at her and I'm like, there's no way. Like, I think these people try these methods on multiple people and they always get the Sarnas and the, they're, they're, I would love to know how many dates the Tinder swindler went on and how many people was like, Hey, I need to borrow 10 K. And they were like, no, I don't have it. Bye. Don't call me again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause yeah. they're out there. They exist. I, I, I don't know if this, helps her i mean i guess he helped her case but you know his ex-wife saying i want to help her because i understand what it's like to be manipulated by anthony i think for us regulars we can understand how you can be manipulated but the numbers that we are talking about are beyond our comprehension we don't have access to that kind of money i also don't think that his ex-wife's situation was the same as sarna she was so much younger she didn't have like a huge business. She also thought she hit the jackpot. I mean, I'd be ecstatic. 
my boyfriend tells me he's getting $5 million and stuff and you're young and you're pregnant. You feel like your child is protected and all that. But Sana had a lot to lose and she was the one providing money. The ex-wife was not providing money. Well, she wasn't, he wasn't getting a job. So she was just on, maybe on the smallest scale. Um, so at the end of it, we find out that the number we're talking about this whole time we're watching the documentary, the number in my mind is 2 million. And then we find out that the number that the number that she's in debt in is actually $7 million. She owes the IRS. She owes New York state taxes. She owes investors. She owes Jeffrey, who is the biggest investor. She just owes all these people so much money. I'm like, what is the payment plan on that? I feel like they, if whatever work you do, they seize it to start paying people back. And you can work your whole life and you'll never pay it back. They also didn't mention, I'm like, so what's Sarna doing for a living now? Yeah. What do you do after you get swindled like this? There just was no motivation for why she did all this. I tell you this though, her dad was just hell bent, not hell bent, but he just had the impression that she's guilty. (laughs) I also got the sense that her parents had money. Like, that seemed very clear. And I think that's the other part that confuses me. I don't know. The numbers that she was in maybe are beyond their wealth. It was mm-hmm. because we never saw her, anybody together. We never saw her with her sister. We never saw her with her dad. It's like, what kind of relationship did you guys have? But so much so that they agreed to do a documentary? It looked like they had done it under the threat of like someone holding a gun to their head. Didn't look happy to participate. Her mom was smart smart enough not to participate. Although she did show some empathy for her mom. When she said it feels like her mom should be in retirement, enjoying her life, and now she's lost out on a whole bunch of money. But I do want to share a fun thing that was... It's not fun. I don't know why I said fun. A thing that was not part of the documentary, but... Sana was in another quote-unquote scandal with trash human comedian Louis C.K. He apparently gave her STD. I thought I read it. This is 2012. I thought I read it was herpes, but I don't want to allegedly, I don't know what it was, but it was an STD. And then she was furious about it and let him know. And once again, he responded in an email. But again, 2012, different times. And he's like, hey, I understand you're upset. This kind of shit is tough. It's tough. I never swore that I was clean. (laughs) I told you I may or may not have given this to you. I'm sorry if I did. If you gave it to me, it's okay. We all share the current (laughs) human bloodstream. Which is like I'm laughing at it's not funny. (laughs) Which includes this kind of stuff. I should have worn a condom, but you should have made me wear a condom. We should have a lot of things we're human. And then it's like (laughs) our generation has this stuff. The next generation is going to have something. Eventually, we'll all have sex with electric glass penises, digital vaginas, and then we'll get software viruses instead. It's all a part of life. (laughs) Where did you source that email? It was everywhere. (laughs) What? Everybody carried it, and I was like, what? (laughs) He even said that there's no good test for guys, and even condoms don't stop that shit. Like we, this guy is trash. <laughs> I'm, I, my mind is blown, and I really am disappointed that they left that out of the documentary. <laughs> Just because I don't know, it speaks to the email. They showed us so many emails. I will say, I don't know, maybe I'm just lazy, but how much reading do these people want me to do? Like 
there's a lot of emails. There's a lot of those stupid phone calls. I think we're supposed to find the phone calls fascinating, but I didn't. What did you think of the phone calls and the emails and the text messages? I actually liked that. I liked seeing that, like, playing in real time. There's something to a documentary when you can hear the actual real conversations as not reenactments. But I think the most important was the final phone call where they haven't been in communication. That's what she told us that didn't hadn't spoken. And then he calls her and she's all laughy, all jokey. And is like, how have you been? And she was like, the funny thing is, ah, uh, I missed you. And then he was like, the thing is, you're so fucking smart. And she's like, you know what? You're fucking right. I am smart. And then they're going back and forth, like bantering and talking. And I'm like, huh? And this is and- where you're like, this is no, Sarna is no victim. She no. was in on this somehow. But the problem is we look at it and we're like, but what's the gain for you? If you end this with seven million in debt, what was the gain for you? This is the big question because I just, I didn't even understand. I was just like, so what? Because she just told us like, you know, this man is out, which is another thing with our legal system. Like, how is he already out for all the things that he did? But she's like, this man is out. What is the crime in someone, you telling someone to give you money and they give it to you? Where's the crime? Well, that's true. It's like what you said. If he did it to one person, the assumption is that he did it, you know, he just did other shady stuff. But I understand that that's just an assumption. I feel like with people like him, he tried it on multiple people. He tried it with multiple people. He just, it only worked on Sarna. Okay, let's say, for example, okay, no, he didn't sign anything. I was going to say Nazim. So if he took all his money and he had all this thing... Dang, people are stupid. Why would I give someone 30-something thousand dollars and not sign anything? And then I see them with Rolexes and I go, if you, if I give you $35,000 and then I go to the casino with you, shouldn't they put together where is this money coming from? Your That's your money that you saw being gambled away. Yeah. I just, yeah. I feel like there's a warning there about being vigilant. But then I'm like, if you need that type of warning, you're beyond help. If you need to be warned not to give people $35,000 checks without a contract, I I don't I don't know. There's no help for you. I just want to add just rounding up the story with um Louis Louis CK. He had a show called Louis at the time which I absolutely loved. 2 months after that exchange, there was an episode that was written by him where a character in the show who was also blonde informed him that she has crabs and that he may have given it to her after their one night stand. Okay. I never watched an episode of Louie. I like, I barely know who Louis CK is. I'm like redhead guy, comedian. Yeah. Accused of sexual assault, exposes um, himself to people. <laughs> is um, a trash I think I kind of got that, but it's like when people who you never watch in the first place are in big trouble and big, it has no effect on your life. You didn't see them before. And you don't <laughs> see them after. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we made a couple of references to the Tindler Swindler. Um, or like even um, inventing Anna. Because that character of Rachel was so controversial. Of, But she, she stole 60K from her. Oh, but she gave her Amex willingly. I don't, I'm not, I, I think I try not to be a blame the victim type. 
But it's like, if you don't blame the victim, then other people are going to like, when are people going to understand that sometimes when bad things happen to you, it's your own fault? This is the question. There's also the podcast, um, Bobby. I, I, don't, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. It's about a lady in the UK who got swindled by someone. She was in a relationship with someone for 10 years, but never saw him. He also said he was in the CIA. This man died and then he resurrected and then he <laughs> controlled her. He controlled her, even though they never saw. At some point, she drove to Heathrow to go pick him up from the airport, and then he told her she wasn't coming. Then, anytime something happened, he would have a heart attack. When she called on Skype, he would say he couldn't, he couldn't turn on the video for 10 years. Then he would tell her, where are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? She stopped going out. She quit her job. How is someone controlling you? but you've never seen them. Like, how do they have that much power? That was an elaborate thing because he created like a group chat on Facebook and the person <laughs> had all people that they knew because um, it was like the Sikh community. And so she just believed it. And she, the, the number one thing, and I, I watched something else that I watched or listened to, oh, I read something. They just keep insisting, I am not stupid. And like you said, you don't want to victim blame, but I also think it's okay to admit that I was stupid in this situation, but I learned from it because everyone keeps asking the same question and then they say it themselves. Like, I know everyone is like, how could you, how could you? Because again, the truth of the matter is you never met this person for 10 years. You could have moved on with your life. You made that choice and it wasn't a particularly smart choice. So there has to be some kind of accountability. But I think what we're missing aid is they say there's a whole science to manipulation. Again, it doesn't apply to Sarna. I don't care what anybody says. But for other people, they said there's a whole thing to manipulation, which also applies like, you know, when you're in a cult and some may argue religion, could be Christianity, could be anything, that shields them from you saying you were stupid i know and i also everything's to scale like the ones who get documentaries made about them are the ones who have seven million dollars or 250k that they lent to some guy the ones that don't get written about is we like i have been scammed before it was for like 50 dollars, but it was a scam i fell <laughs> for it um it was during the course of looking for housing, which is pretty like common because you're in a situation where you're like worried and you're like, I can't find somewhere to live. And someone offers a solution and they end up scamming, scamming you out of $50. $50 is not the end of the world. Lesson learned. $250,000? Half a million? Seven million? Those are just the scale, if that makes sense. So I think it's interesting that if someone came to me and they were like, oh, my ex-boyfriend, like through manipulation or whatever scam me out of like 5k i'd be like oh my gosh it's terrible but once we get to 250 i'm like no you're dumb <laughs> yeah does that guess, make sense i guess you're saying like there has to be a point where it's like okay i'm bailing out right now like you start the first one okay one is a mistake two is a choice three is like okay now you're just you're asking for it and i also think calling people victims I don't know. The lesson, I feel like there has to be a lesson for the rest of us who watch this stuff. And the lesson has, in my opinion, has to be, don't get swindled. 
But that's what's so difficult. Look at the lady on Tindler Swindler. By the end, they were like, so I'm guessing you left Tindler. I'm not saying she should leave Tindler. She's like, oh no, I'm still on there. I go on many dates. I go. So it still feels like the lesson wasn't learned, like which to me should be, you should be discerning. Like <laughs> just, well, I didn't have, <laughs> I actually thought that it made perfect. The app didn't swindle her. The man did. She just happened to meet him there. Yeah, but it didn't seem like she was being discerning. It just seemed like anybody, any, because part of, for me in the Tindler Swindler, part of why that happened was they were attracted to the lifestyle. There was a certain kind of person that they wanted. And she didn't mention anything when, like when they asked her, like, so has anything changed? And she's like, oh no. So maybe I just took it like, nothing's changed. I'm just going to keep going. And hopefully if somebody else asks for it, because I mean, I can see her being in a situation where she thinks she's in love again, because they are right. You're in a relationship with someone. They say, oh, they need something. You do want to do anything you can. And then you have no reason to think that, oh, this person is, you know, swindling me out of my money. But like you said, there's a scale. It happens one time. Oh, man, I love this person, blah, blah. But when it happens again, but if you're in a new relationship, how do you not try to transfer the trauma of the last one? What if he is genuinely in trouble? (laughs) I mean, if he's in the CIA and the bad guys are after him, I can tell you this right now. I work for the government. The government can go save him. You really don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> anybody not- who works for the government, anybody who works in black ops or whatever, they don't need you to save them. Who are you to save them? But what if he doesn't work for the CIA? He just has enemies. What if her new boyfriend doesn't have enemies? <laughs> he just has friends who are who, stranded or something, you know. My prayer for everybody is that when someone calls them and is like, hey, I need you to transfer me 10K, they immediately have someone in their life who they can call and say, hey, he or she just asked me to transfer 10K. And that person smacks some sense into them. That's my hope and prayer for everybody. The funny part is none of these people ask nicely. They're yelling at them to give them money. (laughs) Large sums of money. (laughs) And telling them, like, you think I can't afford... It's like the same playbook. It's like, you think I can't afford this? Yes, because you're asking me for it. (laughs) But it's such a way to mess with someone's mind, you know? If if you act like you're desperate, the person might think that you need the money. But if you act like you don't need the money, somehow it makes sense for them to give it to you. The mind is an amazing thing. And the way our minds work is is something. I mean, it works, so. (laughs) But this is, like I said, I want to hear from the people who went on one date with the Tindler Swindler and when he asked for money, they dipped. They're out there. There's more of those than the ones who went and got 250k from Amex. I promise. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Yeah, you're right. So I would love to know why. I mean, I would hope it'd be obvious, but I would love to know what about the situation made them think, you know what? I'm going to dip. That would have been a good angle. But maybe they felt like they would be betraying their principal characters. I don't know. And Tindler Swindler, I wish they would attract some of those women down. They were very focused on the ones who fell for it. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm referring to, Tindler Swindler. Oh, like the, 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 the people doing the documentary would be betraying yeah. them by showing them that they didn't have to have given them two fifty. Yeah, <laughs> because think, and again, that's the thing about documentaries. You just have to pick a side. And then lean into it really heavily. <laughs> and if they decide, oh, we want to show these women and blah, blah, And then you bring the people who stop, then people are going to be like, well, aha, see? <laughs> you had a choice. 
I mean, we know they have a choice, but when you tell us and show us that they did have a choice, it kind of puts them in a bad light. But That's true. But I think it would be a public service. It would be a public service for you to show the thought process of the people who did not fall for this. Yeah. But anyway, I did enjoy Bad Vegan on a level. I didn't think it was that well done. I was very confused by the end of it, but the story is fantastical. It really does start with a Domino's order and a vegan restaurant order. I did not enjoy Bad Vegan. I was so annoyed when I was done. I preferred the Tindler Swindler. Like, Bad Vegan was so all over the place. I didn't know where to focus or what I was supposed to feel or what I was supposed to think. And it's just, it's, it, I hate short stories because there's no closure. I don't know what her motivation was. <laughs> I know what the Swindler, Tindler Swindlers was. I know what the women's was. They wanted the good life. I don't know what Sarna's thing was. She didn't get anything out of it. And I, it, it just felt unsatisfying. I thought the story was, I felt like the Tindler Swindler was very, um, I just watched Inventing Anna. And to me, the themes are so repetitive. Um, so I enjoyed Bad Vegan because the story was just a lot more different. A, a lot more, like, blow your mind. Like, what? Wait? You managed to get investors to give you money? You owned a, like, fancy restaurant that Bill Clinton went to? Like, it was, it was a lot. But the thing is, when they dropped the big nuggets, they almost said it as an aside. Mm-hmm. Like when she got married, it was just like, and then we just went to the court and then got married and then they moved on. And then when we found out about the whole Michael thing was a husband, it was Jeffrey just saying, oh, at no point did she ever say it was my husband. And then they were like, I'm like, wait, like you question, like, did I just hear what I just heard? <laughs> so <laughs> it was never like this big. And then when we found out Will wasn't Will, we just saw him fade slowly <laughs> away. <laughs> I'm like, what are these pop-up nuggets? I'm just annoyed. Get out of here. I have to be very honest. I had to watch this twice. Because I didn't even catch the whole way through the first time that Will wasn't real. I didn't catch that until my second viewing. Yeah. That's how, like, it was like, blink, oh, you miss it. Like, if you decided, oh, let me just tidy up as I would, you'd miss something. Because then I, there were so many times where I was like, wait, did I hear what I heard? So it was all over the place. So, all right. So I hope you guys watch Bad Vegan. I hope you enjoy this episode. I actually had a lot of fun with it. It's a different kind of thing for us, but we're glad to do it. We ask all the time, guys. So if there's anything you want us to talk about, any show or any mass related uh, topics, we would be happy to drop us a comment and we'll do our best and take it under consideration. Thank you for listening till our next bonus episode. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.